Hello, this is Thea Fiore Bloom, and I'm the blogger and the artist behind the Charm Studio blog. And today I wanted to give you an audio version of a, a post I wrote called How to Write an Art Blog. And this is a good collection of surprising tips and secrets from top art bloggers that I've interviewed over the years. Brilliant art bloggers don't rise up from the sea fully formed like Venus. Most likely any art blogger that you admire didn't know what they were doing at first. They probably spent years bumping about in the dark. Many great art bloggers have told me that they began one blog and abandoned another until they learned how to write better or host a podcast effectively or just plain figure out what their unique gifts were and how best to share them. Antrice Wood, the host of the Savvy Painter podcast, told me, if you want to get good at blogging, accept that you're going to endure a long, awkward adolescence made up of trial and error. It's sane to ask after Antrice tells you that, you know, what should I work? Why should I work so hard and risk exposing all these vulnerabilities if it could take years before I see results? Well, because the benefits of blogging for artists are tremendous. Blogging can help you make better art. It can help you establish a nursery to go grow ideas for your future art. It certainly will help you become a better writer. It'll help you grow and evolve as a person. I know that my blog has done that for me. It'll uncover your true brand, which will lead you to more art sales. It'll help you explore and master new technology. And it will greatly lessen your feelings of isolation by creating ideal community for yourself. That's not bad, right? So let's get started by asking ourselves two questions. If you're starting, shoring up, or wanting to breathe new life into a neglected blog, the first two questions I want you to ask yourself is this. Number one, what is my passion now? In other words, what topic am I so excited about right now that I have almost a physical need to explore it for the next year or two? And the number two question is, how exactly do I want to be changed by the experience of creating and working on this idea in a blog form? So not only are your readers going to go through an evolution when they read your blog, and I talk about that a little bit later, but think about what you want your evolution to be. Okay, great. And now we're going to move on to a few more questions about who you want to write for. Okay. A big mistake that bloggers make, especially art bloggers, is not identifying who they want to write for. You can't be everything to everyone in a blog. And when we try to please everybody and we turn out mediocre content that offends no one, but will delight no one either. That's why mega blogger and writing guru Jeff Goins insists, quote, the more you narrow the, your focus, the more you'll broaden your audience. Let me read that again. The more you narrow your focus, the more you broaden your audience. So niching down to your specific heart-centered ideal is the way to go. As artists, we can get a head start on the narrowing down by asking three huge uh, audience identifying questions that'll really help uh, cut it down very quickly. Number one, will your art blog be for fellow artists? Blogs focused on serving a readership of fellow artists typically are built around the how of making art. So you ask yourself, what could, what would I like my ideal reader to be thinking, to be feeling, or making after she reads my blog? How do I see her evolving as she reads the blog, say over the course of a year or two? And this type of blog is well suited to natural born teachers. 
And Trace Wood told me, if you're writing for other artists, you're taking on a teacher role, she said. So she also advises you to be bold in your purpose, which is to help others. You're leading other artists somewhere, Entries said. Have a place for them to go. That's your job with this kind of blog, and it can be a wonderful experience. But don't expect that by default, you're also going to be speaking to collectors, she said. Okay, so number two question then logically is, will your art blog be for art collectors? I, uh, my, my, uh, colleague Kristen Kiefer who runs a really successful ceramics business and a great art blog said quote I have written as if communicating to a collector from the beginning end quote and she also added that I do my I do write to fellow art makers at times but selling my work is my primary passion so I write from the perspective of sharing ideas of the why as a maker more than the how of a, as a maker said Kiefer so let's see an example of that to understand how to write about the why rather than the how. Kiefer's choice of subject and voice allows non-makers that read her blog a fun, romantic, day-in-the-life glimpse into the studio and the mind of a professional artist. Here's an example of the why, not the how, from Kiefer's blog. She says, quote, I recently uploaded a kiln load of work that included bunches of handled cups and mugs with varying and new decoration, and I decided to group them for pictures, which immediately and delightfully felt like little family portraits, said Kiefer. I like the idea, she said, of capturing my current cup designs and glazed color palette at this arbitrary point in time, so meet my cup family, end quote. So you may enjoy writing as a collector, oriented blog. You'll enjoy writing a collector-oriented blog if you want to focus on how you see things as opposed to how you make things. Okay, so the number three category is maybe your art blog can serve both artists and collectors. One week, Australian painter Sarah Paxton may pen a how-to article for artists, and the next week she may publish a post that art collectors enjoy with work that'll be featured in her upcoming gallery show. Some marketing gurus might say having a split focus audience like Paxton does will not work. You only want one focus, artists or collectors. But at 10 galleries, 5,000 Twitter followers, and 200 daily visits to her site, Paxton, Paxton's blog gives those gurus the old Bronx cheer. So Paxson's artist collector blog works because her appealing art and her accessible voice are a perfect fit for the specific audience she's built up over many years. Paxton writes about her work and herself in an honest, accessible way that encourages creativity in others. Encouraging creativity is great, you might say, but what about sales? I hope you're sitting down for this next part. Most successful art bloggers don't sell a lick of art from their blog, and they couldn't care less. Don't worry about sales on your blog. Paxton told me, I certainly don't blog to generate sales because it doesn't. But I find that by building up relationships with people and building up trust, it inadvertently leads to sales down the road, usually in other online or offline uh, venues, said Paxton. Kristen Kiefer, the ceramic artist, agrees. She says, I don't sell on my blog. I only sell through my Etsy shop. I still consider my blog an important part of my marketing practice, though. It allows me to flesh out ideas more thoroughly than is possible, say, in one of my Instagram posts, end quote. So what do most successful art bloggers focus on if they're not focusing on sales? Well, 
The big thing that I saw is they told me not to worry about sales, but to worry about your email list instead. Ironically, freeing your blog from the burden of selling often results in greater sales down the road, but only if you keep that all-important email list. And you don't need a big mailing list to succeed, just an active one. Repeated exposure to your art via your mailing list can lead to later sales. The more a reader sees your product, the more likely they are to want to purchase it down the road, partially because they get to know you. Um, I just read an interesting uh, comment in an art post lately where somebody talked about the idea that when they first subscribed to this great art blogger's blog, they didn't really like that person's art initially. But after they got to know the person, they couldn't understand if a year, if maybe as a reader their taste had changed in art, or they just started to love this guy's art more and more because they knew the artist better. So it is uh, a subtle difference, but when you do know somebody and you know the motivations for their art making, you really do start to warm up to the art itself. So repeated exposure to your art via your mailing list will alter later, will alter your sales down the road. But digital marketers call this transition from awareness of your product to the purchase of your product a sales funnel, which is, you know, you might be turned off by the term, but there's meaningful ways to market in a sales funnel. Some funnels are short, others are long, and art tends to have a longer sales funnel, and that's why it can be a more meaningful form of marketing. By making your, your sales funnel could be years long with art marketing, you know. By making your e-newsletter sign-up form clearly visible on your site, you increase your chance of future sales in galleries and on your Facebook page by giving readers a repeated chance to eyeball your work. One of the biggest mistakes that art bloggers make is not having an email sign-up form visible in a sidebar or in the text of every single post they write. If this is you, you just have to head over to my How to Put an Email Sign-Up Form on your Facebook page, Twitter feed, or artist website in 10 minutes. There's a link to that uh, post in, this, in uh, this post, okay? So what do you write about in your art blog? This Charm Studio post that I wrote that I linked to here will give you 51 blog post ideas for heart-centered artists. But as Paxson said, initially you won't really know what to write about, so you just can start with general posts. The important thing is just to start, she said. You know, no one can ever know exactly who their audience is, so I think it's just fine to experiment, especially when you begin. In the beginning, Paxton said, I did some taping of live demos of art products I loved early on, and then I went on to do short video snapshots of my paintings in progress, and now I turn them into time-lapse videos. I have a link on how you can do that in this post. And the time-lapse videos show people how I do what I do from beginning to end. Both artists and collectors enjoy these, and they're easier to do than you think, said Paxton. So maybe you want to start to painlessly begin to dip your toe into the land of making video. If you do, you can check out my post on uh, six videos you can make on your smartphone to market your art. And these six videos mostly include, they're, they're off-camera videos. You don't have to be on camera, and you don't have to be even be able to edit to make majority of the videos in that post, okay? Okay, so now you know who you're writing for, more or less, and you where can you now get your topic ideas from, and how can you make your blog writing shine? Well, the secret source and the secret sauce of the best topic ideas for your art blog well, where do they come from? The best ideas for your unique audience often come from your unique audience. 
Oddly enough, my most popular post at Paxson was an article I wrote on how to get oil paint to dry quicker. It was a response to a reader question. Eventually, Paxton said you just figure out to ask people to email you and tell you what they want to learn, end quote. And when you start uh, to develop an audience, that's a great resource, you know. And also, um, one of the best sources for blog posts is your comment section. Or if you don't have comments yet, looking in the comment section of similarly themed blogs for questions that uh, readers are asking other art bloggers. Other questions that a lot of bloggers don't answer because people sometimes, I don't understand why, don't answer their comments. It's a, Comments are just a wonderful source of give and take and information for future writing copy. And it's a great source of community. You want to create a community and you want to give back to the people who are honoring you by reading your work. So the big secret to making your uh, blog shine and your is by getting your blog writing to shine. And the big way to get your blog writing to shine is just to be yourself, your actual true self. Blogging is the perfect venue for storytelling. So it's okay to surprise readers with your unique brand of narrative in between rounds of technique sharing. I'll give you an example. Let's pretend you're a plein air painter and you happen to also be a subscriber to Antrice Wood's original blog that documented her plein air project, A Portrait of Argentina. It's morning and you sit down at your computer with your cup of coffee in hand and you check your inbox. And parsing through your new email, you see a few new posts from art bloggers have arrived last night. Okay, you go down through the subject lines. What topic would you click on first, A or B? A, how to depict rocky outcroppings in pastels. Or B, I punched a llama in the face today. I picked the llama too. Wood's most popular post ever, entitled It's Only a Llama, described her being attacked by a llama in Argentina. When it comes to blogging, all those ABC After School specials had it right. Just be yourself. So why readers love vulnerable writing in an art blog and why they love when you're yourself it is because we love story and we love to get to know people. But is it okay to show your soft underbelly online? You might fear you'll be laughed at when you display vulnerability in a post. But usually the thing is, I found this out myself, fellow artists can relate to and understand and appreciate it. You may get record responses from posts that tell stories of financial or emotional frustrations that artists, all of us, tend to encounter. And I've spoken to several art bloggers who were shocked at the popularity of posts they made that displayed a painting they were having difficulty with. So oftentimes people are going to respond much more to something you're having difficulty with than to say your greatest art success. Sometimes your greatest art failure will be something that people totally relate to because they may not have had the success you've had, but they certainly have had the failures that you've had. Artists readers are really glad to offer fairly gentle advice on fixing things too. And many artists report that this kind of feedback has greatly improved their painting. So get personal. And you could read this piece on, on how to allow more vulnerability in your art writing that I link to in this blog if you need more help. The thing is in these things is not to try not to just make it all about you, even if it's a vulnerable you. As Dan Dirkhoop, the founder of EmptyEasel.com, told me, I'd suggest having a ratio of 80 to 20, where at most only 20% of your posts are personal or off the topic of art, and leaving the majority of your blog to be about your art, your process, or art in general, end quote. So you understand that you can, 80% of your posts would not be total personal stories, but he's, he's not saying don't ever write 
personal stories. You can have personal stories in each post as long, and you should, as long as each post is serving the needs of the reader, okay? Most likely, the more you focus your content on the needs of your readers, the more readers you'll have. Got it? But what if I'm not a good writer, you ask? You may have an advantage blogging if you're not a writer at all. Being a writer, as I, and I, I can tell you from firsthand experience, can damn a whimsical, free-flowing blogging fountain with clods of perfectionism, judgment, and resistance. As Paxson, a self-described, quote, non-writer, explained to me, she said, I've never been a writer, so when I started the blog, I just wrote what I thought. I didn't spend hours editing or rethinking it. I just let it be. And when you do that and you keep up at it, she said, you get better eventually anyway. I think that's fantastic advice. Are you worried about rejection? I got that. I know. Me too. We all are. But you can read my piece, Why You Should Feel Good If Someone Unsubscribes. I have a link to that and another post on letting go of the need for approval and how letting go of approval uh, helps us as artists and how to go about uh, loosening the grip of approval on your creativity. Um, you can check that out over there. So how do I write an art blog if you hate to write? Uh, listen, you don't, don't write if you hate to write. Many artists abandon their potentially good blog because they think they have to write it. In this new era of shortening attention spans and multitasking, more of us prefer taking in our inspiration and information via videos or podcasts anyway. So if writing is not your preferred method of communication, there's lots of other creative ways to do it. And if you want a great blog post example, Leanne Regala wrote this great post called 49 Creative Geniuses Who Use Blogging to Promote Their Art. And many of the artists on Regala's list aren't writers at all. And they, they're musicians uh, first or uh, artists first, and they use all kinds of visual alternatives to writing to get the word out. And it works. So once a, how often should you post? People often ask me, once a week is great. If you do it regularly, twice a month is what I do. If you, if you, and once a month is even great if you'd post regularly. Heck, I don't care if you posted, if you posted four times a year on the equinox and the solstices, I, I, I tell my coaching clients, I would be so happy for them if they even did it four times a year because they're showing up regularly and your the audience knows what to expect. The saddest thing is when you see ghost blogs uh, where people post, haven't, it's been two years since they've posted. So don't worry how often you post, just post regularly and you'll be honoring the contract, unwritten contract that you have with your reader. And the thing is that consistency improves your art writing and it deepens your investigation of why you make what you make. And try to treat blogging as a leg of your art business and schedule in regular times to write and edit your work. And you'll actually show up to do those times if you're covering topics or doing uh, videos or doing something that's fun for you instead of a standard blog post, you'll show up a heck of a lot more at your desk because it's not a slog. It's something that you enjoy doing, okay? You can also overcome some of the initial resistance, fear, and nausea of writing in public by setting up rewards for yourself each time you post on your blog. It can be something small, you know? Um, it could be a new, if you the first blog post that you send out, I'll get yourself a new set of colored pencils or something like that. And for each one thereafter, you can, you know, reward yourself with meditation or a walk or something like that. Um, it really, it really works to chain your good habits together like that. So if consistency due to lack of organization is your stumbling block, you can always look at my writing coaching page for artists. 
I have a package that supports new bloggers to launch their blog, as well as a package to give your old blog a radical makeover. If you're bored or you're embarrassed with the condition of your old blog, there's no reason you can't renew, it, renew and revive it and make it into something exciting and enlivening that you want to show up for. So the last thing I want to tell you is not to give up. I know blogging isn't easy, said Antrice Wood, and I know occasionally you'll really want to quit, Wood said. But she also told me, but I just want to give all your readers one example of why you shouldn't quit. Seven people, seven people heard the very first episode of the Savvy Painter podcast. And wait, she said to me, six, if you count my mom. Two years passed before people really began to find my podcast and to care. But at this moment now, the Savvy Painter is getting upwards of 10,000 downloads per episode. So she started with six and now she's at 10,000. Entry said, it took years of being awkward, weird, and uncomfortable. My hands shaking every time I sent an email asking somebody to be on the show. But you know what? I believe that when you're authentic and passionate about something you come to and you come to it from a place of, I want to help other artists. We're all in this together. So let's just share information. Great things are going to happen for you as well. That's it. If you write an art blog and you have questions, if you something you need help on, just leave me a comment below or let me know what you dread doing in your art blog, what you love doing in your art blog, or if you have any other thoughts. Thank you so much for sharing your valuable time and um, energy with me and stay confident. You got this. Take care.